Dear Legal Ops, the podcast tackling tough topics impacting today's evolving legal operations community anonymously. This podcast is made for and by the Legal Ops community. So grab that glass of wine and get comfy as we share stories from the Legal Ops community aimed at digging deeper to find and release your inner brilliance, personally and professionally. Hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of Dear Legal Ops. I'm your host, Tom Stevenson. On today's episode, we're headed on an international bar crawl, but realize it's the first time we've used our passport. As we sip on our first executive elixir, we'll dig deeper into developing emotional intelligence and remind Andy, can you spell Gabbana? Sachs, that leadership is not a one-size-fits-all approach. It's easy to fall into the trap of trying to mimic other leaders. But this approach can be disingenuous and ultimately ineffective. The most successful leaders with effervescent business and executive presence constantly learn and evolve. So embrace the challenges and opportunities that come your way during this winding and crazy career called legal operations. But first, grab that glass and get comfy as we dig deeper into Dear Legal Ops. Our first letter today comes from Phil Keegan, host of the new spinoff show, The Amazing Built International Team That Nobody Interacts With Race on BBZ Brazil. Our legal ops leader determined to cross the finish line writes, Dear Legal Ops, One of our department goals this year is to support the business's priority to further its international footprint. So in preparing to hire our first international legal hire, I'm a little afraid because the truth is, I'm not sure where to start and don't want to be the last to arrive at the checkpoint. I've managed teams spread across all of North America and in different time zones, but this is my first time using my legal ops passport. What advice do you have to build a global legal team and navigate areas I'm, quite frankly, unfamiliar with, like cultural and communication styles? Well, Phil, you see, building a global team is like competing on The Amazing Race. You know, it takes a diverse group of individuals working together to achieve a common goal. But what we see viewers on the other side of that, whatever 85-inch TV you purchased during last year's Prime Day deals... It's not how it all comes together during production. And much like legal, we're no different when admitting that it's often difficult if you're doing this for the first time. I mean, really, right? As companies continue to globalize their operations, our corporate in-house legal teams, we face various challenges that are often not discussed. And there's a lot of reasons why, right? Geographical, cultural, hell, even political differences. These challenges can include differences in privacy laws, technology requirements, even the legal requirements that we outsource all the time that vary not only by country, but sometimes even continent. So y'all, I was super excited to dive deep into this topic because, I mean, if we're being honest, I've supported multiple global legal functions during both my time on the law firm and private practice side and in all of my corporate in-house legal op roles. So I really wanted to focus on peeling back and identifying that primary challenge facing these global in-house legal teams. Is this a legal or regulatory issue? Is it cultural or time zone constraint? Well, I'm here to tell you, yes. 
Yes, 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 yes. It's all the above. Let's break this down in true TLDR DLO style for all my cool cats and kittens in the back taking notes. And before we go down this rabbit hole, here's my Surgeon General's warning regarding the benefits of having a global corporate in-house legal operations team. When a company has a team located in different parts of the world, they can better understand the legal requirements of other countries and regions, right? Additionally, having a global team can help a company really build the relationships with local legal professionals. And we see this all the time in our outside counsel spend and secondment area in the United States, which at the end of the day can be invaluable in the long run for these international teams. But it isn't all roses being handed out bachelor style. If you're in legal operations leadership roles and you've never built out a global legal team, or I don't know, maybe you've never visited a specific geographical location where this international team is to be built, I get it. You might have a bit of imposter syndrome. How do you develop a deep understanding of the law, cultures, and languages of these differing regions? Because we all know that ensuring effective communication, there is no misunderstandings. And that's so vital. Hello, change management. And I know the easiest place for us to go when we're unpacking this is the GDPR, right? You know, the European Union's General Data Protection Regulation. It imposes those strict requirements on the processing and transfer of personal data. And obviously that has an effect, you know, with companies that have global operations. So while these countries have different privacy regulations and they can ultimately differ significantly from those in the United States, I think what makes this unique is that it's a challenge, right, for our in-house global legal teams to develop a unified approach to this privacy compliance issue. But it's not just specifically about privacy, y'all. The core root of this issue is really navigating legal and regulatory requirements that vary by country and region. Take, for example, you know, companies operating in multiple countries, they have to comply with various employment, taxes, And what I've been super interested in over the last couple of years, these intellectual property regulations. But really more importantly, the legal system in some countries, they differ significantly from those in the United States. And a lot of us, myself included, don't even know that, right? So it makes it challenging for in-house legal teams to navigate local legal systems and develop effective strategies to manage risks. If you're able to develop a plan or, you know, you're a rock star legal ops person already crushing it when it comes to managing the complex global and legal regulatory issues, well, awesome job. But let's pivot to where I think I saw another big pain point in this landscape. And I think all of us can continue this conversation and see where it goes to better further the ecosystem. It's navigating those cultural differences. So cultural differences have different work styles, these communication styles, and really ways of resolving conflicts. I was talking with Sheena, my homegirl here in San Francisco, and she was telling me about pro bono military work done within the United States. And often that US military presence, it can be challenging, right? After all, I'm always confused when people talk about Fleet Week because I think, what can I do to help my fellow service member? Wink, wink. But all jokes aside, and overcoming these challenges, well, y'all, it's essential to establish that strong sense of team identity and culture. But how? Well, let's do Papa Phil proud and pick up a plane ticket to a place we've never been. 
One way I've really been sinking my teeth in is understanding how to establish clear communication protocols and guidelines that consider cultural differences and work styles. So for example, these cultures, they may prefer indirect communication and be uncomfortable with confrontation and disagreement. Think about it. We got that Polydine style, God bless her heart, of the South. And that's a much different communication style than that New York state of mind. While neither is better or worse for the other, it is a constant reminder that it's crucial to be sensitive to cultural differences and take the time to learn about each other's cultures to understand each other better. What we're trying to convey here is that in-house legal operations teams face unique challenges specific to their role within their organization, regardless of whether this is, I don't know, at the US-based level or really on a broader global landscape. So another example, right? Legal operations teams manage legal processes and ensure that legal work is performed efficiently and effectively. But how's that measured metrically, especially in a challenging global legal environment where these processes may differ across different regions, right? To overcome these challenges, legal ops teams must establish transparent process and protocols considering other legal requirements across different areas. But to level up that international experience, maybe even for those that already have those established, you really have to be proactive in identifying opportunities for process improvement and implement best practices across the entire organization, inclusive of your international team. So as we round third base, what are some tips and tricks to setting up your first global legal team and maybe even outsourced one, right? First, it's important to identify the legal requirements in different regions and work with local legal professionals to ensure you comply with all these regulations. Second, investing in training programs for team members working in different regions. Ah, chef's kiss right here. It's so important. This can help ensure that communication is effective and that team members deeply understand the cultures and legal requirements in different regions. And we won't talk today about how that spills over into this tech landscape, right? It's more than just PC versus Mac, Word versus WordPerfect, truly titillating topics here, y'all. At the end of the day, global corporate in-house legal teams face various challenges that are often not discussed due to geographical, cultural, legal, and quite honestly, in today's age, political differences. These challenges include differing legal requirements, technology, heck, even priorities of the business. So to overcome these challenges, Global legal teams must establish a strong sense of team identity and culture, be well-versed in the various legal requirements across different regions, be mindful of technological differences, and be aware of the political landscape in other countries. You know, just a tall task at order here, right? But legal operations teams must also establish clear processes and protocols that consider the various legal requirements across different regions and at the end of the day, be proactive in identifying opportunities for process improvement. By focusing on these areas, legal ops superstars can build a global team that is effective, efficient, and capable of navigating the complex legal landscape of different regions.
This episode is made possible by our sponsor, Legal.io. Legal.io is the fastest-growing community and marketplace for legal talent. Legal.io connects legal professionals to resources and opportunities at the world's leading in-house departments and firms. Legal.io is the launchpad for legal careers, matching legal ops professionals, attorneys, paralegals, and so many other legal professionals at some of the world's most exciting companies with a level of precision that only a data-driven, vertical-specific marketplace can provide. Supported by significant investors like Tiger Global, Legal.io is redefining the legal workspace. If you want to learn about the enterprise marketplace solution for legal talent, access salary surveys with compensation data as unique as you, and join their vibrant in-house legal community, visit www.legal.io. That's L-E-G-A-L dot I-O. Legal.io, your gateway to a global legal talent marketplace designed with the legal operations community in mind. Our second letter today comes from a coworker from episode 13's letter about pushing past perfectionism. Our writer, Andy, can you spell Gabbana? Sachs writes, Dear Legal Ops, so I learned a bit ago that it turns out not all blue is the same. I finally pushed past the cerulean scandal and ready to step out of my comfort zone and rise to the next level in my career. But I'm not sure where to get the unpublished executive leadership manuscript. I can't find Nigel and was wondering if you could help so I could stay on top of the latest trend to succeed. Well, Andy, Mama, first of all, love that the transition to the bangs, great look for you. Second, much like having the impeccable fashion taste like Nigel, executive leadership is not an easy skill to master. It requires a combination of you know, emotional intelligence, strategic thinking, and really the ability to communicate effectively with all levels of the organization. And let me tell you, from personal experience, having a tough legal ops leadership role, success is ultimately rooted in communication. And to be a successful head of legal ops and it doesn't matter whatever your company calls that role, right? In an in-house corporate legal department, you must be very aware of the signals you send out, those Batman signals, because they have an impact that sometimes trickles much like skipping a rock against the water. So that's why this week, as I was uncorking a delicious rosé, because, hell, the weather is finally starting to warm up here in San Francisco, I thought, I don't know, Let's chit-chat about corporate communications, command, care, and credit. So here's me taking off my mask and serving the tea, piping hot. If you, like me, feel like you can confidently manage your imposter syndrome, but feel like as you're in that crucial period in your career and you're being honest with yourself, you wish you could have a better executive leadership presence. So... I'm speaking directly to the House of Dear Legal Ops listeners. I get it. Because when you think about our profession, one of the biggest challenges for emerging leaders is transitioning from a doer to a leader. Many excel in their early careers by working hard and executing tasks efficiently. However, I, I'll just speak for myself, right? As we move up these ranks, 
we often learn how to delegate tasks and manage a team quite effectively when we're thrown in the fire. But this requires a shift in mindset and a willingness to let go of control. And much like Elsa, let it go. As much of a difficult transition as this may be, and you're still shocked that I'm telling you this harsh truth, but hear me out. Because I think where I failed to take the next step in my career was when I really felt that letting go was impossible because I had such a strong attachment to the work I did. Yes, of course, I felt proud of the results and everything. But I really thought, I don't know, I just can't trust anyone to get it done or achieve the same level of success as me. And what I learned on this journey was that barrier to allowing us to let go is really rooted in, y'all ready? Trust. So back to this weird space in your career. If y'all are currently there, let me take a sip of this rosé all day and ask you to listen to something that I recently learned while attending a legal ops networking event and the amazing discussion of executive leadership traits that came up that day. So this expert speaker started talking about executive leadership skills with trust and character assessments. I thought, well, now that's a curveball more unexpected than how the Gwyneth Paltrow trial all of a sudden piqued my interest in criminal defense law. But seriously, like she had some phenomenal points. When we interact with someone on the most basic of levels, what we come away with is we either feel safe or we don't, right? If you ask somebody to go a layer deeper from that and to identify why they have that feeling, almost everybody can. But what they'll offer you is usually some character trait. I know this may be hard to believe, but often people tell me I'm too loud, boisterous, and I seem like a lot. I know, y'all, this was news to me. But other times when in meetings delivering bad news, I've been told I'm arrogant and standoffish. Often when we get feedback, which can be from your best Judy in the office, your family, your friends, hell, I don't know, some of those FP&A or other leads that meet you for the first time ever, the feedback comes to us on that character trait level. So we might hear things like, I don't know, you need to show a little more confidence or be a little more assertive. Or to my aunties in the back, how about being a little bit more approachable? And whatever the feedback is, we're often left wondering what the f*** we need to do to get that missing piece to the puzzle. Okay, y'all, I know this is so damn deep and I hope each of you are picking up all these mm, juicy morsels because this is where it gets really good. So when we get feedback and may not feel like it's a safe or trusting space, that's the issue, right? That's when we get that negative pushback that we are heavily leaning in one direction or the other and often get thrown off course, or one would say, into outer space. So how do we get back on that career rocket ship and head back to the Executive Leadership Admirals Club located in both terminals? Well, from what I learned that day from this amazing expert was the following. Own your space. Because moving fluidly in space is one of the most important signals of leadership presence. So how do you own your space? Well, when we're uncomfortable, we get small and quiet. So try and take up space, but don't take too much and get that, hey, Tom, you're at a level 10 right now and we haven't even had a cup of coffee this morning feedback. Too much space and you're loud, obnoxious, and all those other worse traits that don't really grow your leadership presence. 
But don't misconstrue level 10 with the opposite. When we're uncomfortable, we get small. Fidget, look away or down, get quiet in the voice, stutter. So try it. Take up space, but make sure to do it in the right way. So as we were all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed listening to this expert, we were looking to turn lemons into leadership. And I'm telling you all, she was elevated to this guru status and informed us that getting back to earth and back to that executive admirals club was, you ready? All within our own control. Even if you're driving the rocket ship at 100 miles an hour, you know you're on the right path. Even if you haven't taken, I don't know, that exact and specific highway before, make sure you're managing your nervousness. And if you're not feeling comfortable or natural, just learn what comfortable behavior is, but make yourself do it for you. And if you can work on that, then what I heard was more often than not, you will look good from the outside, which for many people is all that matters on their executive leadership journey. So project confidence and the rest of your body will calm down because of it. True leadership presence is calibrating the difference between average and optimal and getting as many of your skills up there as that optimal zone as you can. So y'all, mama, it's raining men and dollar dollar bills up in here because I truly believe this payoff in your career will be huge. The stronger your volume, the more you're comfortable and confident in all those leadership buzzwords you're likely to come across for the skill of articulation. And then bam, just like Alexis Mateo, you realize that you're speaking with confidence and comfortability. And that's when you're in the pocket, y'all. After all, what I've learned from a number of my own mentors as I was preparing for this episode is executive leaders are often expected to be confident, assertive, and inspiring. Oh, great. Well, you know, just not a lot of things to like reach for here. But not everyone naturally possesses these qualities. Some emerging leaders may struggle with public speaking, but like myself, others have difficulty either commanding it or commanding it in the right way with leadership presence. Almost all of the advice I heard from these bright individuals about developing a leadership presence described the need for some combination of baking these chef's kiss ingredients like self-awareness, practice, and constant feedback in a safe environment. Emerging leaders should focus on developing their emotional intelligence to navigate these challenges. But let's say, I don't know, like most of us, <laughs> myself included, already working on these things, right? Maybe you have a personal therapist or have a support group consisting of other moms or dads in the neighborhood or just soaking in the legal ops community via various formats and feel like that's serving you that fierce fish at the seafood buffet. But let me throw in something as tried and true as the return of the Mexican pizza at Taco Bell. Seek out mentors and coaches. Both can be valuable resources for emerging leaders looking to refine their leadership presence and skill sets. And if you're unsure of where to find these, network, network, network. Building these relationships with peers, mentors, heck, all of my friends in these industry they often provide valuable opportunities for learning and growing. Networking events, these associations, social media platforms, hello LinkedIn, 
They can all be helpful in expanding your professional network and connecting with others in our awesome legal ops and legal ecosystem. Finally, this was, well, no, no. Let me flip it and reverse it. This is still a difficult obstacle I, Tom Stevenson, admittingly still struggle with even as I grow my own leadership skills. It's that willingness to take risks and embrace failure. Think about it, y'all. To move the business forward and crush it in your legal ops role, we often have to make difficult decisions and take calculated risks. However, failure is a natural part of the learning process. So I'm actively working on embracing failure as an opportunity to learn and grow so I can ultimately develop better resilience and build confidence in my decision-making abilities. So now that we've hit the bottom of the whispering angels bottle, I just want to leave my friends listening with this. Look, that time between being on earth and feeling like you're lost in outer space, it can be a challenging process, even for those who feel like it's not linked to imposter syndrome. Once again, that in-between space. But I raise my glass to each and every one of you by telling you to focus on developing those emotional intelligence skills, seeking out mentors and coaches, embracing your failures, so you can ultimately navigate this period in your career with confidence and success. But grab your pen and paper because this is the extra credit assignment, Henny. It's essential to remember that leadership is not a one-size-fits-all approach. It's easy to fall into the trap of trying to mimic other leaders, but this approach can be disingenuous and ultimately ineffective. Instead, focus on developing a leadership style that feels authentic to you. The most successful leaders with effervescent business and executive presence constantly learn and evolve. So embrace the challenges and opportunities that come your way during this winding and crazy career called legal operations. I just wanted to thank our amazing international host, Phil, and Andy, can you spell Gabbana Sachs for sliding into our DLO box this week? Whether you're dipping your toes into a new area of work, flexing your international passport for the first time, or whatever journey you're on that's unfamiliar, remember this. It's an opportunity for personal and professional growth. Hell, y'all, it's a chance to broaden your skill set expand your knowledge, and develop a new perspective on the world. However, to thrive in any new environment, and now I'm talking to the House of Dear Legal Ops listeners, you have to become an effective leader, and it's ultimately crucial to develop emotional intelligence. As next-generation leaders who are strapping on the doing more with less as a hungry, hungry hippo, who happens to be climbing the corporate legal ops career track at the same time, developing emotional intelligence is essential for success. It allows you to connect with more and motivate people from diverse backgrounds, communicate effectively, and build strong relationships. And if you can work on honing these skills, you can become a more effective leader with the ability to navigate complex situations and lead your team to success. But look, As much as we polished off that rosy bottle of rosé, it's not all flowers, as Miley reminds us. It's important to remember that developing emotional intelligence 
is a journey that requires ongoing effort and self-reflection. It takes time, patience, and practice to build the skill. But the reward, hmm, it's well worth it. By committing to your personal and professional growth development, you can become a more effective leader, both in your current role and as you advance in your career. But that doesn't mean you have to leave your company. I know y'all been feeling that itch to move around. Just chill for a second. Think about what it means to be in your career path and what you want. Remember, emotional intelligence is not just about understanding your own emotions. It's about understanding the emotions of others too. It's about being able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and see things from their perspective. This is crucial for building strong relationships and creating a positive work culture. And if you can work on finding that space between earth and what's past the unknown, you'll be able to enjoy the executive leadership rocket ship. For more Dear Legal Ops content, make sure to follow us on all social media using the handle at Dear Legal Ops. Have a tough legal ops topic you want us to tackle? Share your legal ops stories with us at dearlegalops.com slash submit for a chance to be featured on the show. Dear Legal Ops is produced by Red Rock Music. As always, I'm your host, Tom Stevenson. Until next time.